Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's the list and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here. It is the List and Ya Boy podcast with Nigel producing back by popular demand. I am all up in the camera from the shot that I see, Jimmy. <laughs> Jeez, well, I got, Nigel. I got Nigel across from me. I'm going to play stuff off of Nigel, even though I'm all, I can only see his forehead right now. There he is. I'm gonna I'm gonna get you a camera eventually. There's gonna be like another camera on Nigel. We have another camera. Well, we're gonna there you go. So we're gonna work on it. I'm gonna play up Nigel. I notice my camera's not as crisp. Like what what's going on here? Are you trying to like debeautify me, Jimmy? What's going on? I I think this is called uh, phasing you out. Ah, son of a bitch! I knew it. That's usually what happens. It was a ruse. The Toronto trip was a ruse. I <laughs> know uh, that was the Toronto trip was a cock tease. That's what it was. That's a little aggressive, Jim. <laughs> That's a little aggressive. Nigel, welcome, sir. Oh, thanks. thanks. I hope I hope your audio can be heard by everybody. Yeah, they'll, they'll hear me shouting in the room. Good, awesome, awesome. <laughs> I kind of like that off in a distance producer yeah. voice even better, honestly. Right, right. That's yeah, good. That's good. So, uh, where do you want to start today, man? You're the you're the guy with the list. I am. I do have the list right here. Writing the checks. Okay, and so the. First thing I guess we'll do is you see this wonderful little beauty right here. Yeah. This is a, a Defining Moments uh, Mattel action figure of the Nature Boy Ric Flair. I have a bunch of these, and I'm going to start giving them away. And so the first one we're doing, there is currently a contest I just posted uh, in the forum of Fightful.com. Free registration to be part of it. And basically, uh, whoever wins the contest is going to get one of these beauties, one of these Ric Flair Defining Moments. And basically what I did was I put up the current scheduled card for SummerSlam. Uh, whoever can guess the winners as well as the outcome, meaning pinfall, submission, DQ, or countout, will win this little beauty. If there's more than one winner, we're going to do a random draw to choose the winner. Uh, and if there's no winner, then whoever gets the closest, so whoever gets the highest percentage of, of correct uh, outcomes, will win 
this Ric Flair action figure. So the, the contest is up now in the forum of Fightful.com. I love using the forums. I love you guys using the forums. Uh, some of the, the topics that I see up there right now. Uh, do you enjoy Alexa Bliss's ring work? We have uh, King of uh, King of Indie Styles Retro PWG Review. I really like those. Sure. Uh, yeah. Lots of cool stuff over there at the Fightful.com forums. Back in the day, uh, my old site, Jimmy Van, we had a very active forum. Uh, with hundreds of people and I, I realize it takes time and you know people yeah. are creatures of habit and it's going to take time but uh, things have improved a lot over even over the last few months oh so, yeah we couldn't we couldn't pay people to use those forums last year when first, we introduced them it's true it's true yeah. yeah and they went down a lot back then too and we improved mm-hmm. the servers and everything so uh, so we're going to do a lot more of that um, now this next thing Sean I got to tell you man um I am somebody, and you know this about me, I'm somebody that never feels the need to explain myself to anybody ever. Yeah, sure do. Right? (laughs) (laughs) That's how I am. I don't feel the need to ever explain myself. I, I would imagine. I would imagine your wife would agree when, after the Blue Jays game, she said, "You brought these people to Toronto." <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make a rare exception this time, okay? Because there's a gentleman that's hit me up on Twitter several times now by the name of Howard Cushlin, uh, yeah. and his most recent comment to me uh, on Twitter was, "Have never heard Jimmy Van of Fightful explain why he's having." This is his words homophobic, racist, sexist, Vince Russo on, Dem clicks sad. Um, now, because of the sensitivity of this whole thing, and I know that Vince said some questionable things in the past, not related to Fightful.com, but he said some, some questionable things, and we brought him back. Uh, I'm going to make a rare exception, and I'm going to respond to this person, even though in normal circumstances I would ignore you. So uh, here's the situation. Number one, um, we do not condone what Vince said in the past. His opinions do not reflect ours, do not reflect myself, Sean, Fightful.com. Okay, that's the first thing. Second thing is we believe in second chances. Um, and I think in, in life that's maybe, kind maybe of... Even, maybe even 27 chances. Maybe, maybe. Well, with us, I guess it's kind of a second chance. Yeah, it's usually with two. Usually um, two. And the other thing, too, and you know this, Sean, you can never please everybody all the time. And sure. Nigel knows this. Nigel works mostly with TrickTent.com, which is our political site. He knows this yeah. as well as anybody. You can never please everybody all the time. And let me tell you something. There is There are a lot of people that want to see Hulk Hogan return to WWE, right? Lots of people want to see Hulk Hogan return to WWE. If and when that happens, I guarantee you, and you know this, Sean, there's going to be a lot of people that criticize WWE for bringing him back because you cannot please everybody. The only thing that we have done in terms of Vince, I still think Vince is a valuable resource. He's got great experience in the business. He has a lot of great stories about the business. Uh, he was around during the hottest time in the history of the business. We have limited him now to five minutes twice a month. That's all he does. Mm-hmm. Five minutes twice a month, he has a segment on the Listen Your Boy, and that is it. Uh, and I think that is more than fair and reasonable. If he was to ever say anything questionable again, uh, then we probably would have to remove him from the show. But the good news is is that our stuff now with him is pre-taped. It's not live. Yeah. Uh, and quite frankly, on a day-to-day, we talked about this, I think Vince day-to-day is a good guy. Like, I've never really yeah. had an issue with him. So that's my answer my, my, to that. The thing with him is I I think he tries to follow the, the old idea that controversy creates cash. When, yes. With a guy who has been where he has been, yeah. I think in his case, old stories can create cash. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy has a lot of experience whether good or bad within wrestling and that's what we have him on for we have him on to tell 
10 to 20 year old wrestling stories and that's really the extent of it i've said that i don't agree with the things that he has he said before and i don't i was disgusted by a lot of it right i'm disgusted by a lot of the stuff that a lot of people that i've interviewed that i've talked to have said like sure and when it comes to the job unfortunately sometimes when it comes to anything controversial we'll leave that to trig tent because trig tent covers <laughs> that kind of stuff as nigel knows uh when it comes to pro wrestling mma and boxing that's what fightful's for and that's what we got vince here for uh, and again, you can't please everybody. If anybody enjoys the show but you don't like Vince Russo, mute the audio when he's on. Fast forward through it if you want. Uh, or worst case scenario, just don't watch it all. But uh, we still think he's a valuable resource in a limited capacity, and that's what he's doing. Yeah, I would agree. I, I've, I like talking to him about old wrestling stories. Like I've told you, Jimmy, that was the thing I pitched to him to begin with in like June of 2016. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, hey, Vince, how about we don't talk about anything current since you hate it so much? Right. Let's just talk about old stuff all the time because sure, there I would hear retro podcasts, and I was like, this is cool. This is good stuff. We can get articles out of this. And you know like, what? Sometimes when you have a negative opinion, like he does on the current product, he mm-hmm. even – because you, 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 you know, your brain sours and everything, so you even yeah. kind of look over the, ba- the good stuff is bad. So, for example, Russo looks at Kevin Owens like, oh, he's out of shape and why is he on TV? Kevin Owens, I think, is one of the best things about WWE today. I think yeah, you agree. Uh, but he's not able to see the talent because he has such a negative opinion of the company. Sure. So but I, think- I, I like talking to Vince. But here's the thing. Vince and I don't talk about politics. We don't That's talk right. about racial, sexual stuff like that. We don't – I've never discussed that stuff with Vince because even on our old podcast at an old site, I was like, I'm not going there with it. Right. What do you think of Vince Russo, Nigel? What do you think of Vince Russo? Honestly, I've never, I've never heard him say anything offensive. I mean maybe I just have a low tolerance for like – but yeah. again, I, I I don't know what you guys have talked to him about in the past. I don't right? think you find anything offensive anyway, because you've dealt with Trig Town long That's enough that you find, you find nothing offensive. No, this, you yeah. laugh off everything. I see some yeah. of the the headlines on Trig Tent, and I was like, I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> huh? This is real life, though, man. That's real life, dude. Yeah. Dude, you know? I live in Kentucky. I've heard it all, my friends. Yeah, yeah. I've heard it all. Yeah. I got threatened. I, I got death threats. For standing up for for homosexuals on my Facebook, really? death threats, and that's not even from the the Twitter like where people go anonymous. This is somebody with an account with their stuff on it. Like I'm gonna shoot you, and I was really? like, ah oh, man, it gets real out here. I guess yeah. I guess being in a city like Toronto, it's that's every day, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. There were there are people like I don't know why a racist would move to Toronto. I'll say that. <laughs> oh, but they're, they they're live. gonna they're gonna have a rough go of it if they do that. They live here though, Sean. They really? do. Oh yeah, they do. I could go into certain movements, but I'm not gonna turn this into a TrickTent.com. So we're gonna sure. we're gonna move on. <laughs> but um, okay, so this week you broke a story about Ronda Rousey, huh? uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the floor to you in a minute because I want you to give me the details that you know on it. Uh, but I hit you up I think last night because one thing I've I've noticed because we're still a new site is this story that you broke about Ronda Rousey, it's blowing up on a few sites like Reddit. And there were some people that commented and basically said, oh, this is fake news. I mean, who's Fightful? They're not reputable. I just want to – I'll say this. When people are told for 20 years that all news they read is fake, that's the type of environment you facilitate. I'm sure Nigel experiences that a lot with Trig Tent. Right. So um, I was talked to by somebody who had 
who usually only talks to me from WWE when they're doing damage control. I'll say that much. And they called me. And when they call me, that usually indicates to me that they don't want they don't want me sending screenshots to anybody for confirmation stuff like that. But was that was that the same person that emailed us about talking smack? I don't know. I'd have to look because there's right. a couple of people that that will email me with stuff like that, right. but right. nobody that anybody would know. But somebody who I have gotten good information from before, I've not gotten bad information from anybody from there yet. Right. Uh, they said that Rousey had spoke to Triple H to set up her appearance with the fellow four horsewomen for the May Young Classic, and there was a lot of buzz backstage among talent, mainly WWE regulars, that. She and Jessamine would be doing pro wrestling training. Jessamine Duke, rather. Uh, as you've seen on Jessamine Duke's social media, that's all over the place. Not exactly a secret. But WWE referred them, basically, to Brian Kendrick. As you all might remember, even Marie worked with Brian Kendrick before, another referral. But they, there's nothing planned. There's, like, no grand master plan for Ronda Rousey or Four Horsewomen or anything like that. Marina Shafir is another one. She's going to get married to Roderick Strong. Yes. Her MMA career didn't take off the way it would or the way that people thought it would. Uh, Shayna's was kind of coming to an end. Shayna Baszler, who's in the Mae Young Classic. Mm -hmm. Jessamine's didn't go the way they thought. And Ronda Rousey looking like she's transitioning out. I contacted USADA. Asked them if she was still in the testing pool, and they gave me the, they fed me the, well, we don't usually mention line, even though Jeff Nowitzki came out and said Brock Lesnar's not in it. Mm -hmm. She has not been tested this year. That would lead me to believe, you know, read into that what you will. Mm -hmm. But Ronda Rousey has taken some basic bumps, done some stuff. Uh, yeah. But there's no plans like, oh, she's going to be at some no Slam grand, or anything. No like grand that. plan, and I would believe that they want to make sure that she's open to doing it or right. that, that that's something that she's really into before but yeah right but you she know has, it, she has at least gotten in the ring and run the ropes and taken bumps and all that yeah right but i mean okay. yeah i didn't get your message last night and i went and looked at the the reddit post and it was really a negligible amount of people but i mean like yeah, yeah. and you know what i really loved about it too is a lot of people defended faithful yeah as, as that was hey, great as they should as they should <laughs> I'm just going to say, I mean, you know, if Dave Meltzer breaks news, people are going to doubt it. And yes, this is right. what I always say, guys. Ultimately, this is a business of workers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they will do whatever. But I'm talking like we've had myself, the story about Lesnar being happy with Samoa Joe, yeah. details of the Austin Aries release, uh, impact wrestlers being unhappy about the, the agent departures, why some of the baby faces weren't appearing on Raw this summer. Yeah, you don't I, have to go through it all, but yeah. Hey, I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, there's plenty of them. You yourself had one on uh, Hulk Hogan's settlement. Yep. Go ahead and name me another wrestling website that's talked to CM Punk since he's went to MMA. Fightful.com had that within their first two months. Right, right. I mean, we, we've had them uh, across MMA, pro wrestling, boxing. We got Carlos, who was not on a national stage, out there talking to, like, Lou DiBella and Steven mm -hmm. Espinoza, Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, Joe talked to Floyd Mayweather, yeah. Joe, uh, Joe, ta or Joe talked to Floyd Mayweather. Joe talking to GSP all the time. Like, yeah. I mean, it takes no matter, time, right? it no take, matter it what time. you have, people will still doubt that. I mean, that's, that's just how it is. And sure. unfortunately, that's the landscape that we live in. And it's something that I, I kind of knew going into this business. So, Because yeah, right. I used to be that guy, Jimmy. Oh, I you still are. You still yeah, are in uh, some ways. I used to be that guy that would doubt a lot of the stuff that I would read. I mean, I don't know how many time, times I've told Sean, stop deleting comments from YouTube. Oh, <laughs> stop Jesus. doing it. How many times have I had to tell him that? The last time I deleted a comment from YouTube. A couple weeks ago. 
couple weeks why ago. Did I, why did I delete that comment? Because somebody said you should be fired and I should hire Anna to replace you. And you no, deleted because, the whole thread. No, because... Yes, you did. Uh, Jimmy, let's be honest. I love, I I love having you here, man. I love having you here. It's a pleasure. <laughs> when somebody calls another person a, quote, faggot... On the thread. Yeah, but then you delete that one comment. You don't I delete did the whole delete thread. that one comment, Jimmy. Learn how YouTube works. Oh, I just released all that. I know you're slipping in your old age. Yes. You're in the yes. 40s now. Yes. But when one when the person who started that thread deletes their top comment, the whole thing goes. Ah. Uh, just how it works. Okay. Um, in other news, so uh, something was reported yesterday. I want to get your take on this. Hell, I might even want Nigel's take on this just for fun. Something was reported that does not pertain to WWE today, but it could pertain to WWE later on. That's why I want to talk about it. Disney announced that they are requiring majority interest in BamTech. BamTech is the streaming video division founded by Major League Baseball. Uh, they're acquiring the majority stake for $1.58 billion. That is the same technology that WWE currently uses for the network. And where this gets more interesting is that Disney also announced that they are pulling their content from Netflix and they're going to be launching their own series of streaming services. There's going to be an ESPN one next year and a Disney one the year after that. Uh, where this could pertain to WWE is if Disney's serious about becoming a player in this space and if they plan to launch different niches like the ESPN one and like the Disney one, WWE could become an acquisition target for them down the road. Yeah. So what do you think of all this about Disney? I mean, that's going to be a hit to Netflix. Remember you and I just talked about Netflix being in debt and just so people understand, when we say Disney, that includes the Marvel movies. That's not just the yes. cartoons, right? That's the Marvel movies. That's a major hit Netflix is going to be taking. So what do you think of all that? This is, man, it, this is a big reason why so often when people say, the viewership's down, the ratings are down, they can't make new stars, everybody who, you got to say, <laughs> shit is changing, Can you do that? Can you do that in the voice with the glasses? I don't have my glasses with me. Um, so much is changing, Jimmy. Like, yeah. it's it's just different now. Like, they had they had touted record numbers last year. Like, does that reflect the ratings being down? Does that reflect viewership being down? When you say they, not, who are you talking about? WWE. Okay. Um. Th yeah, that's something I hadn't really thought of about Disney looking to acquire WWE. Yeah, that would be... Yeah. That could be an interesting one for sure. Um, they have the money. They do. You know? And who knows if Netflix will or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody says, Disney, will they acquire porn sites too? Hey, they, let, let's man. be honest. Disney over the past 50 years hasn't been traditionally known as, as have, having the greatest of morals. Yeah, but I don't know how you equate wrestling to porn. Like how do you even make that comparison? Well, I mean some people do. I mean they say, oh, you need to have the girls out there with – with their assholes hanging out. <laughs> That's the ratings. That's the numbers. Hibbity-hoo. So saying asses wasn't enough, you had to throw asshole in there just to get specific? Because there are some people who, who feel that way. <laughs> they delete their comments, and then some old dude gets on his podcast and bitches at his managing editor because they're like, you know what? Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Stupid stuff. What do you mean old dude? What the hell is that? <laughs> what do you mean old Why dude? Why so sensitive? Oh, no, I'm not sensitive. I'm Stop not sensitive. sensitive, Jimmy. I remember and I get even. It's different. Stop being sensitive, Jimmy. All right. Um, let me ask you a question, Sean. In 1990, when the Ultimate Warrior was the WWE champion, right? Yeah. And he was getting ready to go into SummerSlam against Rick Rude, defending his title, right? 
Correct. How do you think it would have been received, or how do you think you know it would have been critics would have looked at it if prior to SummerSlam, the Ultimate Warrior was in a non-title match on Saturday Night's main event against Earthquake and lost clean to Earthquake prior to his title match against Rick Ritt at SummerSlam? How do you think that would have been received, or you know how would critics have taken it? What would what what would have been the logic behind that? Well, first off, I'll say. Jinder Mahal couldn't be much more different than the Ultimate Warrior. No, but and, answer the question, though, because and, still the champion, right? And Yeah, and Randy Orton couldn't be much more different than Earthquake. I sure. mean, Randy Orton's been there for 15 years. Jinder Mahal's brand new, but... Got to still put I, it into context. That's your champion, right? Clean non-title match. Clean non-title match. I, I didn't see the point in it, Jimmy. Zero I didn't point. understand it. So I got to tell you, so I was... I was uh, I, Why I, aren't you doing a six-man tag if that's the... Right? Something. And have a distraction or, or something. You could have done, like, Zane Dillinger and Nakamura against Jinder right. and the Singh brothers. Right, right. And I, I was watching that, and uh, uh, I don't normally catch SmackDown Live. I normally watch it later, but I, I caught the last hour live because it was in Toronto. And we're going to talk later about how it's important to know your fan base, and WWE clearly didn't on Monday night. But uh, Tuesday? Well, Tuesday was better. Monday. Oh, okay, I, thought, I just thought you were referencing that. No, 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 Monday. But okay. um, uh, when Randy Orton hit that RKO and pinned Jinder Mahal, I was like, how does that make any fucking sense at all? How does it make any sense? How does that benefit anybody? The only person that benefits is Randy Orton. It doesn't benefit anybody else. Why on earth would they do that? Why did they It didn't do make that? any Yeah. Do you think they did it because Vince McMahon... You know he's got his little his little pedestal and he's got Cena and Orton up there, and he thought you know I, I, I don't get the Orton thing I don't get it. But you know that he's, you know he's one of Vince's guys. Yes. So like, why do you yeah, think they course. would do that? Why would they do that? And if you're Shinsuke Nakamura now, you have to win at SummerSlam. You have to win, right? Like I yeah oh god yeah it makes zero sense to me that they had Jinder lose clean to a guy that's not even in the title picture right now. Prior to the second biggest pay per view of the year, just unbelievable. Yeah, I don't get it. And like, if Nakamura wins, like, who did he beat? That's exactly right. Who did he beat? Right, exactly. Unless he wins why? like decisively. And why know? didn't Baron Corbin come and cash in right away? I think Jeff made that point, right? Because that's true too. Yeah. Because if Ginger's already beaten, and if the Sings aren't there, right? That's the first real opportunity Baron Corbin's had, and. Mm-hmm. No Singh brothers, no great Kali, laid out with an RKO. Right. Yeah, I agree. I'm not a fan of Baron Corbin anyway, so I'm just going to chalk it up to him being dumb, even though it's booking. Yeah. You know. um, okay. So we have two additions to SummerSlam after this week. We got the Big Show versus Cass with Enzo in a shark cage, and we got Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt. You know something, man? When we started this podcast in December, you and I, when we started doing this podcast together, two of the guys I always put over were Bray Wyatt and Finn Balor, right? Yeah. And they're, they're two, I love their characters, and I thought they had a presence and all that kind of stuff. That was December. This is August. They have been, they have not moved since December. They haven't moved. They've been basically like running in quicksand ever since December. And it's at the point now where Bray Wyatt, I find, is boring and stale, and he does the same thing all the time. And what do you think is going on there? I do not like Bray Wyatt as a character. I do not enjoy him in the ring. Mm-hmm. And I think they are taking the babyface route with that with Finn Balor. I don't like him in the ring. 
I don't like him as a character. He would have really benefited from having Gallows and Anderson right. to give him some edge, to give him something different. Now, I assume that they're going to bring out the demon at SummerSlam. I assume, because it's a big show. Yes, they are. They why, are. Ha- why have they waited this long? I don't think he's been the demon since SummerSlam last year, right? So, well, he was out for several months. Yeah, he was, but they... He would have he been at WrestleMania, but had he been there. Maybe at the Royal Rumble, too. Who knows? But, yeah, I just think that they... they well, for one, it takes a long time to apply that paint. It takes hours. Yes, understood. But, yeah, I don't know. And to me, what's different about him? He doesn't lose in the paint. That's really it. Yeah. I mean, at least he's got, you know, a hell of an entrance. But you, you look at Bray Wyatt prior to that loss to Cena, because that was, I think, the, the beginning of the downward spiral at Mania. Prior to that loss to Cena, everybody, myself included, was like, look at this guy. This guy's creative. This guy's new. He's always coming up with new stuff, like the crab walk and all that stuff. Like, he's, he's so new and fresh. Now, it's just paint by numbers with him. And what kills me is that when he's in a feud with somebody, he does all the promos and whatever he says, Eater of Worlds and all that bullshit. He loses the match. Then he just randomly finds a new target for no apparent reason. And then he just starts doing those promos again. And it's just yep. uh, it's just the same formula for no... Like, he has not explained, why are you targeting Finn Balor? What's it's the, the, the same thing. It's like, oh, all these people think he's so cool. I'm going to prove he's not cool. Right. Whatever, man. Like, it's it's the same old shit. And a lot of people are like, oh, they've taken a wrong turn with him. At some point, you got to take control of yourself I and agree. say, it, I love that Finn Balor, whether it was written or snuck in, him saying Bray Wyatt doesn't seem like the kind of guy who cares if he wins or loses. Now, in doing that, that promo came four years too late. Right. I, I think, was it 2013 when they showed up? That's yeah, when while, people yeah. should have been saying, this guy doesn't care if he wins or loses. Right. Right, I agree. Bray Wyatt's your favorite wrestler, right, Nigel? Are you hating on everything we're saying right now? Oh, man, you've insulted me so badly. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Why don't we hit the, uh, let's hit the Riley interview. All right. Do you want to set this one up, Sean? God, you, what a, you gotta let me segue into this shit, Jimmy. You don't, I want to make sure you're on the time cues and stuff, oh, man. I, I want to make sure you're hell. ready. What the hell? Do it right now. Do it right now. Al, or do you want Nigel to do it now or me to do I'm it I'm talking now? to you. I'm looking at you. Here's Alex Riley <laughs> talking about whether he regretted his decision to move from commentary to wrestling or not. Now, I remember uh, you, you had a broadcasting role with WWE and you were pushing to get back in the ring. Uh, was that, and I know that that was turned into a storyline. That, did that start as like a real thing? Like you were pushing to get back into the ring? Oh yeah, no, I was, I was, I think I was pushing to get back in the ring six months before they even made me a commentator. And as they were making me a commentator and, you know, for weeks and months into, and then years into my commentary career, no, I, uh. I loved being in the ring. Um, the, the real the real push for me came from I believe I was about a year out of uh, coming to the end of uh, that contract and maybe a negotiation or maybe who knows you know. So I I really tried to lay it on with the social media. I don't know how much impact that had uh, in the front office. I think. A lot of people think it did. I want to hope that it did, but I also know some other people that were pretty strong on social media, and you, and you never really, it never, never, nothing really came of it. Um, so I think that was a, a situation where 
you know, he's 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 got about a year left, and and it, I think I think when I finally got back in the ring, it was about six months or three months. He's let's kind of see what he's got if he can still do it. Um, so I was I was happy to get that opportunity against Kevin Owens because I think I I think I proved that I belonged um, in trunks and boots and not uh, a suit and tie. I, I would hope. How do you feel about that decision in retrospect? Do you feel like? Your your employment status would maybe be different had you stayed in the commentary booth. Um, I don't know. I don't, if if I would to be honest with you, if they would have, and I think they knew this. I think uh, if they would have made the choice to keep me in that booth, I would have made the choice to come to Hollywood. Yeah. You know, uh, it was one of those. It was it wasn't unspoken because it had been spoken about many times, but it was. Um, we there was we couldn't have the discussion again. You know, it, it was one of those things where uh, they knew where I stood, and and I was hoping to find out in the near future where they stood. And uh, you know, it, it just played. I really, with everything that's happened, it, it played out perfectly. And and I don't, um, you know, you see a lot of guys on their own will leave and take some time away from the company and. You know, we were talking about this before we got on. I did Cody and, uh, you know, some other guys that are that are doing very well. And uh, and I'll, I'll say this about WWE, and I, I think they deserve a lot of credit for this. They, they're they not opposed to, you know, bringing you back or, yeah. or, or you know, sh- you show up out of nowhere on, on worldwide television and rock the house. I think that's that's very smart of them. And, I, and I'm not – I would never say that I would never do it. It would be a lot of fun with the situation, obviously. It has to be right for the both of us. Yeah, they brought back several people who you would hear that maybe had heat backstage that said some unfavorable things, and uh, I could think of far worse things than them bringing people back that were appearing on a hit TV show. Right, um, yeah, no, and, and I was, uh, I, I think we had a, you know, I, I, I worked my ass off for them, uh, for Hunter and and, uh, and Vince, and uh, I always knew Vince was, was, a, was very appreciative of that, and, and I was of, of his straightforwardness, so. Uh, no, I was I, I was proud of the uh, I was proud of the ten years that I gave them. Uh, you know, in in the entertainment business, especially in you know, the wrestling business, it's very it's very fickle, and it's you know, just not your time, kid. Whatever that means, you know. Uh, I don't think um, I continued to progress. I continued to work on the things that I felt uh, could improve in what I was doing, uh, even after WrestleMania. And then it's really up to them and if they want to use you and what light they want to put you in. So, so I think, I think they were happy with the work that I gave them. And, and I'm certainly proud of the effort that I put forth. So I want to ask you this question, Sean, because I want to know if you've heard about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just last week we were talking about Cena and he put over Shinsuke Nakamura clean and we put over Cena and how, you know, unselfish he is and all that. I, so, before you get into that, I want to say one of the comments on our podcast ad for last week, a dude said, well, I wouldn't say clean after that bump. I was like, you don't know what the word means, do you? What did that mean? Because it was a I botch? No, He said, yeah. I, was I like, guess. Okay, not... okay. So uh, That means. Alex Riley, so um, Ryback on one of his podcasts, and I just happened to hear about this recently. He claimed that John Cena, this is according to Ryback, he claimed that John Cena killed Alex Riley's career in WWE. And I went and I looked up some stuff on Riley because he's never come out publicly about this. But Riley has insinuated that there was an incident with John Cena and that John Cena um, 
kind of hurt his push or hurt his mm-hmm. standing in WWE. Have you heard anything about that? And what do you think that's about? I always heard the rumblings, but and, and that that's one of the things. This reputation, like he was hard to deal with or something. Few people that I've had that were easier to deal with in an interview setting than Alex Riley. Absolutely, I, I can say, he was very accommodating. Um, I, I Glow's PR person reached out to me and I said, "Can he do video? Because that would be awesome." I guess they didn't tell him. He set up the video, ushered his dog out of the room, said, "I'll give you as much time as you need. Tag me in anything you need. Mm-hmm. Let me know when it's going up." I said, "Hey, I'm going to split it up multiple times." He didn't have a problem with that. Would talk about anything from Glow to WWE to where he is now. He was very easy to deal with. Now, in a different professional setting, who knows? If I'm seeing him three, four times a week, maybe he, maybe he's hard to deal with. Maybe John Cena's hard to deal with. How much of his Total Bellas character is, is real? You know what I mean? Where he's this stern, like, yeah, yeah, like militarily disciplined fella, like. Well, let me it's ask you this question. To say. Some personalities just clash. Let me ask you this question. So, when you look at what has made John Cena successful, uh, he's this you know good looking, clean cut guy, uh, you know, not covered up in tattoos, well spoken. He's kind of got that all American image. You can put him in a in a mainstream interview, and he's really good. You look at Alex Riley, and he's almost a mirror of that, right? Yeah. Do you think Cena looked at him as a threat to his position? No. Okay. I think at that point, John Cena knew that his position was pretty comfortable right. and and pretty good, and I don't think that he saw Alex Riley as a threat there. Maybe you can hit up Alex and say, hey, we want to bring you back, but we want you to go into detail on the John Cena thing. Sure, I'd love to interview yeah. Alex again. Let's talk about Mr. Enzo Amore. Let's do it. So you know something, man? When they first did the story with Enzo and Cass, and they first split them up, and the live crowd did not respond well to it, uh, and myself at that time, I thought, you know what? This is an act that people enjoy. People don't want to see these guys break up. And that's why I thought it kind of fell flat in front of the live audience because people weren't ready to see them split. A lot has come out about Enzo since that kind of, it makes sense to me now that they split them up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of this has been reported. So first, I think it was Meltzer that said that uh, Enzo was kicked off a bus by Roman Reigns during an international tour because he was talking on his cell phone to people and he was bragging about how much he was making and he was almost insulting the fans, saying that they were buying his shit, like his wigs and shit. Uh, then it was reported by Justin Barrasso of Sports Illustrated that Enzo's been bringing guests into the locker room that take photos of the of the locker room and the wrestlers and take video footage, and that's kind of like uh, uh, an unspoken protocol that you don't do that. Uh, and then it came out on July 29th, a stripper from Buffalo named Queen B. <laughs> Nigel's already laughing. Can't right. wait. Can't wait for his take. Yeah. A stripper from Buffalo named Queen B said Enzo was in her club acting stuck up, allegedly bragging about being a star. And I'm going to use the word allegedly because this is her opinion or her story. But she said that he was allegedly bragging about being a star. He was allegedly high, allegedly claiming that it's only a $2,500 fine and I've got lots of money, so who cares? Allegedly said he was too famous to pose for a picture with her um, and acting like a dick, basically. It seems to me that all of these stories coming out now make it pretty clear why they split them up. And maybe that also explains why they treat him like a bum every week and have him get his ass kicked. What do you think about all this? And do you think that this can maybe lead to him being pushed out of the company? Because his merch still sells. So I told you last week that I heard from a wrestler who said that... (laughs) 
when I asked if he had questionable people around, the person just said, to say the least. Right. <laughs> to say the least. Yesterday, when I spoke to the person who gave me the Rousey news, I also asked about the Enzo stuff. Right. And they said that he has made a bad impression uh, to, uh, to a lot of people, especially with the merchandise situation. Right. Where he's trashing people who buy it, particularly with the landscape that many of these – a lot of the wrestlers that came up when they were on the independent circuit, fans, fans gave them places to sleep. Right. Like they look at that and Enzo didn't go through that. That didn't right. help him. The fact that he's crapping on these people who a lot of guys on the roster – had like relied on to an extent. Yeah, now should didn't, Nigel didn't play well? Nigel, I assume that you you were chuckling because you know Queen Bee. Is that why? Because Buffalo oh, yeah. yeah. Buffalo is not far from here. Buffalo yeah. is not far. Yeah, gonna, that's. Gonna, gonna can we get her on a podcast? <laughs> I could look into it because that's not far. Like I could literally just throw her in an Uber and bring her here. <laughs> that we would be that. great. That would be a great get. We like. That would be awesome. We wouldn't have to run a, a Riley or a Riddle or a Russo clip or a DDP no. clip. We could just have Queen B. Queen B. You know what? Hit her up. Legitimately, hit her up. And then we'll see about getting her on a podcast. Awesome. Yeah, we'll do it. Uh, you know, the other thing I'll say about Enzo is I think about the big show. And you think about back when he was brought in in 99, and he obviously was a big investment for the company, and he got out of shape, and he had a bad attitude, and he was wearing like fancy watches and shit, and it took The Undertaker to get in his face and basically say, smarten up, and I think they sent him down to OVW, and he got into better shape and all of that. Clearly, Enzo is not the big show, and they don't see the kind of potential in him they saw in the big show, meaning that if Enzo fucks up, Enzo's gone. Uh, yeah. And I've always liked him as a talent. I've always thought that he'd make a good manager. Uh, great talker, charismatic guy. But obviously, if he's going to have that kind of attitude uh, away from the ring, you know, he might end up uh, on the unemployment line. I don't and then, then Wilbur Forrest will pick him up. Yeah, I don't know if he'd end up on the unemployment line. I think they do see money there. But right. I could see them icing him for a year like uh, Aniva Marie. Possible. Possible. Maybe yeah, he's, he's not making... He's not getting very popular backstage. like, And, you right. know, people don't want to believe that he's saying and doing these things, but he is. Like, yeah. the first one, when I heard about the bus thing, I was like, yeah, really? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Then there was the merch thing, and there was the stripper thing, and then there was the, 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 loud, on, the loud phone call thing. And, like, it's just... Mm-hmm. And you know what? I would even, uh, you know, the bus thing reported by Meltzer. I mean, with all due respect to Meltzer, he's not always right. The, uh, the, the, the guest thing reported by Justin Barrazzo could always be hearsay. But to me, when you have a stripper that knows nothing about pro wrestling, because she's admittedly not a fan and doesn't know anything about pro wrestling, tweeting randomly about this guy and what he did, in an odd way, she's the most legitimate source of them all. Because Maybe. she, does, she doesn't Maybe. have a stake. No, but she doesn't have a stake in the game. She has no stake in the game. Right? I've also had situations like that or seen situations like that where people uh, – in that profession will try to garner some publicity. We're living in a different world now, Jimmy. You can post some pictures on Instagram and become a celebrity. Yeah, but why Enzo? I mean, a girl said a, – a 13-year-old girl said cash me outside on TV and has 10 million Instagram followers. You yeah, never I, know what might blow you up. I get that, but when if, if that was her intention and it wasn't legitimate, she'd say Roman Reigns. Maybe. Enzo doesn't mean shit. I know, but maybe you don't. You never know, man. You wow. never know. I, I think Flav emerged a few years, like several years ago, and people got famous off of him. Unfortunately, it happens. Did you hear that he's got OJ statue? 
OJ statue? What? Yeah, Flava Flav has the statue of OJ oh. Simpson in the in the football garb. I thought you meant Enzo. I was like, what? No, 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 no. Flava Flav. <laughs> like, just when you thought it couldn't get any worse. <laughs> this asshole. Be awesome if he did. Be awesome if he did. It would fit. It would fit everything that I've heard so far. So, uh, okay. So, so I want to talk about knowing your audience for a minute. Okay. Huh? So you and I, obviously, we are wrestling. I don't know if you want to call us reporters or, or critics or whatever. Our job is to talk about pro wrestling, right? This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And there's other guys out there like Meltzer or Mike Johnson or whoever the case may be. Their job is to talk about pro wrestling. I do not profess to know everything about pro wrestling, and I don't think you profess to know everything about pro wrestling, but I think that there are certain basics that we understand, and I know that personally, one thing that I understand is you got to know your audience, Right? And Monday night watching Raw, there were two things that happened. And I could see a mile away what was going to happen because they were in Toronto, right? Because there are certain towns, WWE's got to know. Toronto, New York, Chicago, Montreal. Those four towns, you've got to know your audience. You can't do things the way you do in other cities, right? When Bailey came to the ring for an interview, I, as soon as she was walking down the aisle, I was like, this is not going to go well. Because she's in Toronto. And the crowd shit on her. And I think, if anything, she took a step back as a character. Because they shit on her, and she, you could see on her face she didn't know how to deal with it. And then she the other, no clue. She had no she had clue. No clue. And then let me ask you this question: I realize a lot of these writers are not wrestling people, and so maybe they don't understand this. What were they thinking, putting Jason Jordan, the guy they're trying to get over, in a match against a guy that they call Pierre Goulet, and not think that the Toronto crowd is going to root for Pierre Goulet? How did they not see that? Like, how did they not understand that was going to happen? Tone deaf. Isn't oh, it yeah. shocking that they wouldn't have figured that out? That, that the I'm shocked was gonna... that they didn't assume that you asshole Torontonian, <laughs> some of the most impolite people I have ever met in my entire life. They're honest. They're yeah. honest people. But then when you flip the coin, Sean, because that's the Raw crew, right? When you yeah. flip the coin and you look at SmackDown, right? Last weekend, they're in Montreal for a live SmackDown house show. Sami Zayn's getting beaten down in the main event by Jinder and the Singh brothers. And who makes the save? Kevin Owens, yeah, right? That was smart. That, that was, was smart. brilliant. The crowd loved it, and they did it because the producers of SmackDown understood. We're in Montreal. This is a different town, and this is what's going to work. And it did. And so I thought to myself, how is it that there's such a disconnect? The, the SmackDown producers understood what they had to do for that town. The Raw producers didn't have a clue what to do for that town. Like, how is there such a disconnect? Well, writing for TV is a big thing. It goes through... Like, uh, the Kevin Owens thing, doubt Vince McMahon even knows it happened yet. Probably Road Dog. I, I still has no, yeah. I've been hearing a lot of good stuff about the Road Dog. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, I just get the feeling Vince probably doesn't even know what goes on at live events. He's not even there at TV all the time. I was going to say, he doesn't know what's happening at TV anymore either. He doesn't have a clue, I don't think. I, well, he has a clue what's going on at TV. He's just not there all the time. But but it, Hunter's there, is he not? Isn't Hunter there? I don't. I don't think Hunter's at a lot of the live events. No, but Raw on Monday, Hunter's there. Oh, no? sure, yeah, but 
Hunter's still, not an I mean, idiot. Hunter wouldn't Hunter recognize if you put Jason Jordan against this guy called Pierre Goulet that looks like a scrub in a singlet? Crowd's going to root for him in Toronto. I just want to say they found, <laughs> like as I mentioned in the Raw show, they 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 grabbed the needle out of the pro wrestler haystack and they landed yes. on a Jewish French Canadian guy. <laughs> like, what are the odds? Isn't his isn't his independent wrestling name like Shalom or something? Something like and that. He, and he had like didn't he have like a Jesus fish on a singlet or something? No, he had a he had the Star of David. Star of David, Star of David, right? Right. A little different. So Nigel little just different. Nigel's not a wrestling fan, but. Certain cities like Toronto, yeah. they beat by they, they beat to the drum their own drummer, right? Right. And so when they're trying to get this guy over and they put him in the ring with his bum, the crowd loved the bum and they booed on the other guy because and they chanted "Let's go Jobber." Let's go Jobber, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's Toronto, you know. Yeah. I don't know how they don't get that man. I don't know. Um, okay, so uh, we're no longer doing the nickname segment, um, but after what happened with bringing to the table where uh, they, they revealed that structure was said 64 times during the Punjabi prison match. Gisberto Guzzo, just for fun, he said he was bored. So just for, just for fun, he did Imagine count. being bored during Raw. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly. He said that he decided to do a count, and he said that uh, nicknames were said on Raw 77 times. I had jokingly said to Corey Graves once, uh, weeks ago, when we were doing that segment, if you can keep it to under 10... For an entire show, I will send you something nice, right? And he's, of course, never hit that. Gilbert, uh, Gisberto said, uh, Graves surpasses Jimmy Van's Get It Under 10 nickname gift proposition in only 30 minutes. So that's where they're at now, man. That, that's where this is at now. They, things are, have completely gotten under, out of control. And uh, I guess it's not going to get any better. We just have to accept it. You know? Even after called out on a WWE Network show. Right. Exactly. It's not I can't wait until Rosenberg eventually doesn't like ref like talks about that on his podcast whenever he's not co opted. You know, but. I emailed him. I emailed him and he did not respond. And I didn't expect he would. But uh, I emailed him just to, I told him about the segment we used to do and I, I saw the, the segment about structure. And I asked him, what kind of feedback did you get from uh, the higher ups? Because Kevin Dunn, I believe, produces that show. So I asked him, what kind of feedback did you get? And he didn't respond. Well, honestly, I reached out to him last year when we did 84 podcasts a week about maybe doing one, didn't hear back from him. Right. Heard back from, like, every wrestler, every personality, didn't hear back from him or Sam Roberts. Right, yeah. So Nia Jax was on Chris Jericho's podcast. We got a lot of articles coming out of that one. Yeah? Yep. One of the things she said was that Vince McMahon told her, you're like the Andre the Giant of the females. Yeah, how about that? My first question is, is that a compliment or an insult? Does he mean, like... What do you think, like, Nigel? You know who if, Under the Giant is, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. If you have to ask, I, uh... Like, I don't... I, Andre the Giant was a very large mutant of a human being, like, like 30 years ago. He passed in 93, I believe. And uh, legend of the business. One of my favorites as a kid, actually. But does a, does a female wrestler want to be told that she's the Andre the Giant of the females? I don't know. I don't know. The Vince, only... holds, Vince holds him in high regard. He though. really does, and I guess that's the one positive about it. It's because he does... Andre, I think, was the first guy in the Hall of Fame, right? I, I'd have to look, but I mean, he he's, got a, he's got a goddamn statue. I think the first one. I think he was the first yeah. statue. And I believe he was the first one in the Hall of Fame, too. Um, have you heard now, when I was, when I was uh, filling out my list, and I, I did the thing about Nyan, about Andre the Giant... 
it made me think about Hacksaw Jim Duggan because years ago I spent four hours in a car driving from Toronto to Windsor with Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Jim loves to tell stories and remember he had a big run with Andre in like 88 or 89 uh, and he told me story after story after story about Andre the Giant yeah so have you heard about the Andre mudslide in Mexico I believe well it depends because there I think there are multiple Andre mudslide stories well this is a famous one and I'm going to tell it for anybody that hasn't heard it and Nigel's going to love it so uh, in December of 92 Andre was in Mexico City for a six-man tag because in Mexico they typically do six-man tag matches, right? And by that time in 92, Andre was not in very good health. I think he passed the following year. Uh, he was really heavy into the alcohol. He was overweight. He needed a cane to walk outside the ring. In the ring, he would use the ropes to hold himself up. Uh, when he was in Mexico City for the six-man tag, so it was Andre the Giant, uh, El Canic, and Dos Caros, which is uh, Alberto's father, is it? Yes. Los Caros? Okay. Yes. I guess bad, bad News Brown, Bam Bam Bigelow, and Coquina Maximus, who was Yokozuna. And what happened was Andre had a virus at the time. He had a stomach virus. Oh, no. And you haven't heard this? I have. I have. I just, okay. So Andre had a stomach virus, and he yeah. also was drinking heavily part of the match because he was in so much pain from acromegaly that he was always medicating himself with alcohol. So he went into the ring that night. With a stomach virus, plus he was loaded up with alcohol. He used he used to do a move where he would have his opponent on his stomach near the ropes because he needed the ropes for balance. And Andre would hold the ropes and then he would sit his butt down on the guy and then use the ropes to pull himself back up and then sit his butt down on him again. So he had bad news brown on his stomach against the ropes and he grabbed the ropes in order to do the butt drop on Andre or on, on bad news. And at the moment that he went down on him, he shit his pants. Talk about bad news brown living in <laughs> I saw you waiting to say that because you sat up in your chair. You were waiting to say that. And apparently, and this is Hacksaw telling me the story at the time because Hacksaw heard it directly from, uh, from almost everybody involved. So he told me about it. Bad news initially was selling the move, right? So initially after Andre sat on him, bad news was on the mat selling the move. And then suddenly bad news got a whiff. And he jumped up and darted out of the ring like nothing. And Andre, because Andre was, you know, a little bit drunk and, and not feeling that well, he just kind of slowly got up and apparently it was running down his legs and and everything. And that kind of ended the match. Like the match just kind of halted. I wonder right there. how Bad News Brown would feel about that because Bad News Brown was a badass dude. Like and they had, they had had altercations before. Yeah. And Andre. Yeah. There ain't a whole lot of dudes that Bad News uh, Brown, Bad News Allen encountered in his career that he couldn't kick the shit out of. He was an Olympic medalist, judoka, Pan-American. But one, if you're fighting Andre the Giant, you're probably not politically in a very good situation with WWE because he was so beloved. But Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously by 92, Andre could barely even stand up. Yes. And I can't remember the other wrestler. Was it uh, Omeda? There, there was a Japanese yes. wrestler that took Andre down because their their match turned into a shoot. So, so this was in Mexico. This was this after was their WWE Mexico. careers. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. It was. So then it doesn't matter. He could whip Andre's old ass anyway. Which Andre passed what a year later. He did, and and Andre was in no condition, and that's why the yeah. Omeda the Omeda match is on YouTube. The Mexico one, there was no video footage of it, I don't believe. But the the Japanese one is on YouTube, where Omeda kept taking Andre down with a single leg. 
And mm-hmm. Antonio Inoki, who was promoter, came to the ring, and Omeda looked at him and said, can I finish him? And Inoki told him no, and then Omeda left the ring. Because Andre was yeah. helpless by that point. Oh, yeah. So, uh, also, that reminds me of a story I just heard. I saw a, a trailer for a Simon Gottschut interview. Oh, yeah. And he talked about how Great Khali used to just walk to the hotel shower and just piss in it, walk away. Really? Well, Andre used to shit in the bathtubs in Japan. Yeah. I mean, because when the toilet big, was too small. Yeah. When you're yeah. that big, I guess maybe hanging it over the toilet is still a risk. <laughs> <laughs> like, you just never. When you're that high up, you never know what wind resistance might cause. Like, <laughs> especially, especially with your balance. You never know. That's true. Nigel, let's That's go to true. stupid people. All right. This is a stupid song, it just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. Sean, I got some good ones for you today, man. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, it's sad that it's not, it's not hard to find legitimate news stories about stupid people. It's really not. It's sad, it's not hard. So this first one, these are good ones this week. So this first one is reported on August 3rd by YourCentralValley.com. A rape crisis center in Fresno, California failed to do a background check on a security guard that they hired, and it was later discovered that that guard was a convicted rapist. Oh. Now, here, here's what added to the story. An anonymous tip led to the discovery that this guy was a convicted rapist, and when he was uh, approached by uh, officials, they found that he was carrying a gun illegally, and so he was charged with being a felon in possession of a gun. So, good for like, good. I mean, I don't understand how, like, hey... Me doing background checks on people has led to some great things. Like I found people that had talents that I had, didn't even know of. That's how I found you. Hey, there we go. I found out Anna was an actress. She wanted to do transcript work. You like, think though that if you're if you let's say that you were the director of a rape crisis center and you're bringing in a new security guard, you might want to make sure he's not a convicted rapist, right? Yeah, think. So, that seems like like number one. Like, hey, maybe, number I'll, maybe one. I'll check in on that. That's like. Ex- the right. primary thing. Yes. So that's awesome. The second one, uh, a gentleman on Twitter uh, tweeted this to me, but I'd already I'd already added it to my list. On August 6th, it was reported by the Sioux City Journal in Sioux City, uh, Iowa, that a 33-year-old man walked into a local bank and tried to deposit a fake $1 million bill. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. I love having Nigel here. I love having you here, Nigel. A fake $1 million bill, which gets you absolutely nothing on the housing market in Toronto, I've learned. No, not much. (laughs) Police were called, and when they questioned him, they found that he was in possession of meth. Oh. Oh. (laughs) What a surprise. Yes. Like sand through the hourglass. I am shocked that he would be a meth head. Now, this last one. Hold on. A fake million dollar bill. Yes. Now, what I want to know is, did he counterfeit it? Did he find it? Did he, like, buy it from Ron's Food World in the toy section where all they really have is the fake money? Yeah. You know what? Given that he was at the bank with a bag of meth, I wonder if he just printed it. He just found it on Google Images. Who knows? Who knows? Damn. This last one I actually teased on Twitter that I was going to talk about for the show. Uh, I said that I was going to talk about shit DNA. So uh, here's the last one. A man named Andrew David Jensen, this, this was reported August 8th by the Associated Press. A man named Andrew David Jensen was arrested on July 28th, I believe this was in Ventura, California, for suspicion of burglary. 
He was tracked down through a DNA profile match after the suspected burglar went to the bathroom in the home they broke into and didn't flush the toilet. Wow, you mean to tell me we have an honest-to-God turd burglar? (laughs) (laughs) This is fun. I've waited for years. I mean, he didn't steal any shit, but he, you know, left shit and got caught because he left shit. We're living in an advanced age. Like, we talked about networks and Disney and ratings. Just a month ago, he needs to start listening to our show. Had he known that poop doping was a thing, I'm pretty sure he would have known that he could have got traced by dropping a duke. I don't know. I mean, have you ever seen Home Alone? The movie Home Alone? Of course. It's one of my favorites ever. Remember how uh, the one guy, Daniel, whatever the actor's name is, they wanted to call them themselves the Wet Bandits? The wet, and he Wet left Bandits them. and the Sticky Bandits. Are they the right. Stinky Bandits? The stick- well, I was going to say, but he left the water on, and the police were like, thanks very much. Now we know every house that you burglarized because yeah. you left the water on. So I wonder if this guy, if it was his trademark to shit at, <laughs> at every house that he burglarized <laughs> Let me tell and you leave funny- it there. Here's an interesting story. Well, maybe not interesting. My, my hometown, very small. I've got a couple of hometowns. The place I went to high school very small and occasionally our high school would get vandalized one year there was this big reward like ah if you find out who agged our school we're gonna give you money well they found out it was the sheriff's son nothing happened no reward happened nice but then and i won't name his name because he has moved on and had a successful life after this a dude broke into the high school gym and dropped a big duty on the floor now when that happens i've got quite you know i'm at my core, I'm an interviewer, Jimmy. I've got things to ask. Was this planned? Mm-hmm. Because if so, what impeccable time? Like, he, he had to – how did he know he was going to be able to go? Or did oh, it just he, hit him? Was he was, just – or was he just there and he's like, you know what? It was an impulse. I'm, I'm doing this. So also, you gotta, what's homeboy wiping with? Oh, he probably didn't. He probably just, just walked out. Disgusting. Let me tell you this, man, because you got to remember that, you know, I am in the city of Toronto, and Toronto has a lot of interesting people. There was a story a few years ago, and I, Nigel, I don't know if you ever heard this one. There was a woman on the subway platform, and uh, she squatted and took a shit on the subway platform. And then when the next train came along, she just, like, got up, pulled her panties up, and got on the train. Oh, I got another one for you since we're, since we're talking duty tales. <laughs> Black Friday out here. It was more of a brown Friday on that evening. But I'm lady sh- in Walmart, lady in Walmart waiting for her TV, and, and since then they've started to do this two-hour guarantee deal. Shocking that if you're in line in that amount of time, you get it no matter what. They'll mail it to you. But they didn't have this back then. Uh-huh. This woman says, "I need to go to the restroom. Can I get out of line and get my place back?" And the people around her said no. The employees said no. She said, "Aight." Drop those panty loons. And left a big Maysville steamer right there on the Walmart floor. Was the woman's name Sean Rossap? <laughs> What's the next topic? <laughs> so, uh. Sean Ross crap? Uh. <laughs> I think we might, we might have to wrap it up early today, Nigel, after that. So, uh. I wanna give WWE's merchandising department props for a change. Because I noticed on Raw on Monday that there were a lot of Toronto 316 shirts. And in the past, you and I have talked about city-specific shirts. And how first they did Suplex City and they had the different towns on it. Then they did uh, Certified G-shirts and they had Uh the different towns on it. 
Uh, HeelByNature.com reported on July 31st that WWE filed a trademark on the term 316 when it comes to clothing. <laughs> did you hear about that? Yeah. And at the time, uh, Heel by Nature speculated that they did it to prevent counterfeiting, which might still be the case, but clearly, as we saw from the Toronto shirt, that's what they were planning to do. So every town they're in, it's the same font and style of the Austin 316 shirt, but it just says the city 316. And you know that's going to sell. Yeah, well. Uh, we posted a video on Fightful of Jesus responding to this trademark filing on the Stephen Colbert show. Right, right. Now let me ask you this question. So there was a guy uh, on Raw, and I, I looked it up, and I think it was homemade because I couldn't find him anywhere. There was a guy with a Roman suck shirt, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I want to say this on the air because I want people, in case they might have the old John Cena suck shirt or the Cena suck shirt, I want them to kind of understand the realities of business. So back when there was a Cena suck shirt, right? Who do you think got the proceeds on that shirt, Sean? Oh, uh, was it WWE made? WWE made. Then WWE and John Cena did. John Cena got the commission on that. That means, Nigel, think about this. There were thousands of people that thought that they were shitting on John Cena (laughs) because they were wearing a Cena suck shirt and John Cena could look at each one and say, I got commission from you and I got commission from you and I got commission from you. And unfortunately, we're in a situation now where if you scroll down a Facebook feed, you're going to see a sponsored post with bootlegged shirts. That's that I see them all the time. Really? Really? All the time. I see like, don't be scared, homie shirts. And I'm like, okay. And it's like from T-shirt turd boys or something. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Nate and Nick are – Because he's got to stick with the shit, right? He's yeah, got to stick with the shit. We got it. Hey, we're yeah. sticking with it's what brought us to the day. It's a thing. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Play to our strengths. Anyway, <laughs> with Nate Sean, it's are, either shit or penises. It's like always or, one or the other. Or, or a who the fuck is that guy shirt. Conor <laughs> McGregor ain't seen a dime of that either, unfortunately. That, that's the weird situation we're in. Hey, I bought, I bought a crying Michael Jordan shirt one time. He ain't seeing that. Right, right. I mean, you know that that's how the Hebners got fired from WWE. Yeah. They were selling that shit. Yep. Right? Nigel, the Hebners were referees that worked for WWE. Okay. One of them was there for something like 20 years, and they were fired because they were selling bootleg shirts. What a stupid way to lose your job. Yep. Yep. That's what happened. Uh, how are we doing? Let's do uh, Riddle. Okay. God, God, son of a bitch, Jimmy. Sean, because somebody has to, has to run this show, and you're doing a shitty job, I took over. All right? I took over. Nigel, let's run the, the Riddle clip. Digging holes, digging holes, digging holes. The guy's got it. He's still got it. Now I gotta ask you about this Mayweather McGregor business, dude. They're selling tickets. They're selling a lot of tickets. They're selling tickets. They're selling pay per view buys. They're doing everything you can do. They're they're doing good work. They're doing great work. You seen any of the press conference stuff? I've I've seen it. I've seen Connor just ripping Floyd to shreds, saying he can't read, and he's dancing, saying how good he looks. And I've seen, I've seen it all. I've seen it. I've seen it all. Yeah. Were you surprised that the fight actually got made? No. Well, they they both have money. They're both talking about it. It's a huge money making opportunity. They're the two biggest icons in both sports. Floyd being the biggest icon in boxing right now, and uh, 
Connor being the biggest icon in MMA right now, even if he's not the greatest fighter pound for pound, he's still like the biggest money draw fighter in MMA. You know, I also wanted to ask you, you've been facing a lot of people who transitioned over from MMA into wrestling, like Dan Severn. I don't know if you faced Tom Lawler yet or if that's scheduled. That's happening in September. What do you usually expect out of somebody like that? Do you expect, like, like Dan Severn out of you expected spots? I remember that, and you were like, no, no. Mm. Uh, I think it, I think it depends. I think it really depends on who you're wrestling and what they want to pro wrestling. Like if wrestling Tom Waller, I personally don't know because last time I saw him wrestling, like, I've I've heard both things. Like I've seen him like do like the Iron Claw in a match and do more of a comedy thing, and then I've seen like I haven't seen, but I've heard him have like hard hitting matches with the guys like Kyle O'Reilly and other people. So, like, they could be either or. I, I would hope it would be more of, like, a shoot-style match just because we can do that extremely well and it would probably be really fun, you know. Do you look for more people to cross over? We've seen Josh Barnett wrestling here and there, Shayna Baszler here and there. Like, and I think your success kind of builds a template there. I mean, it's not not many are going to grasp it as, as easily as you, but – uh, do you think we're going to see more of that? Especially, like, you got a lot of guys getting suspended by USADA. I mean, Tom Lawler's one of them. He's suspended by USADA, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to go wrestle. Josh Barnett, too. Yeah, you know, I think the big thing is, uh, I think there's a difference between, like, hey, I'm going to like make a couple bucks there and there, do a couple bookings, you know? And then there's a difference between, like, my schedule where, like, I'm wrestling, like, four times a week. You know, and I'm traveling all the time and stuff like that. Because there, there is a difference, you know. Because even when I first started working with Evolve, I might have worked for Evolve once a month, which is like t- two matches a month, and then like maybe like two other shows. So I'm wrestling like really four times. And now like now I wrestle an average of like 16 times like a month, you know. How does that affect you? Like, have you have you felt your body slow down at all, or is it still full steam ahead? I'm still pretty full steam ahead. I, I work a pretty good style. I mean, occasionally I'll throw a couple cool moves out there, do something crazy. But uh, for the most part, you know, I I work a certain style where I feel like it's it's high impact, but it's like low impact long term. Like, I'd rather like chop and kick and do like good strikes rather than like do like a spot where I get bumped three times and then suplex and then take a dive and you know you, you know what I'm saying I just feel like less is more you can like sell the work smarter not harder thing yeah and I can sell a strike and sell certain things really well and still do all that stuff and you can still do your suplex and your dive, but just not bump me like three or four times before it, because I think that's dumb. You know. Are there is there anybody that you've encountered or maybe seen, whether it's in WWE or elsewhere, like that maybe don't have an MMA background or maybe you didn't know, and you see their strikes and you're like, Those look good, or you see their grappling, their transitions, you're like, damn, that's kind of impressive. Even like kind of for your level well no i'll be honest anybody that can do any like good transitions has done shoot 
stuff. Like done like amateur wrestling or done jujitsu or done submission wrestling. You know, be it at a gym somewhere, be it with a like a jujitsu club, whatever. Anybody that has smooth transitions in pro wrestling has like a legit background. I'm not saying they're high level, but they've definitely trained, you know. I caught you on Holy Smokes uh, this week talking about the great timing of a combat sports website with all of the counter stuff going on right now. It's kind of amazing that so much of it is happening now. You know, Brock, probably back to UFC, Ronda Rousey to to pro wrestling. You got Riddle, you got Tom Lawler. Didn't you say Stefan Bonner now? Stefan Bonner, yeah, he made his debut last month, actually teamed up with Phil Baroni, and now he's booked to face Matt Riddle. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. there was a situation several years ago, if you remember, when Stefan Bonner took a fight last minute against Anderson Silva, yes. and he showed up to the the workout super tan, super jacked, and he failed for steroids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he had said that he was, or Dana White said that he was, his excuse was he was transitioning to pro wrestling, and apparently it took a little while. Hmm. He's a little old now, isn't he, to be transitioning? Let me see. Yeah, I mean, he's... 30 it's 40 he's yeah. 40 but hey man like if you if you can get people to pay for it whatever i guess i guess he's, he's dan gonna... how old dan severn yeah but he's i'd like to hope he's already made his money i'd like to hope maybe he's wrestling joey janela's spring break at two in the morning on wrestlemania weekend so you know yeah yeah i mean i'd like to hope that at this point dan severn's doing it because he enjoys it not because he needs the money i'd like to hope that's the case because riddle's only like 30 31 riddle's still got a long ways to go yet 32 oh he's 32 okay Okay. Um, okay, I want to ask you about this, and I might even throw Nigel into this because Nigel doesn't know what the hell this is. I uh, I want to ask your opinion of the dick flip. Now, you know what this is, okay. Sean. Yes, yes. By the way, yeah. Riddle is 31. You were right. Okay. Okay, so I wrote an article on Fightful.com. You all should go check it out. It's uh, <clears throat> titled, Leo Rush Doesn't Sell a Powerbomb from the Ladder. And I'm not mad about it. And Jimmy, the reason I'm not mad about it is because I can turn it off. I can hit a button and I never see it. I don't care. Um, It was in CZW. I don't watch CZW. I don't like CZW, but I respect everybody's freedom and ability and willingness to like CZW if they so choose. Ain't my thing. The dick flip, not really my thing. I thought it was funny the first time I saw it. Uh, I was like, it's it's brilliant. He got a Pornhub sponsorship off of it. Or Does he still have that or, now? Or Does he what? still have it? Hey, he got it at some point. He did. So, he did. Uh, he made a lot of money off of it. He gets bookings off of it. You got guys like Jim Cornette that's like, ah, oh, that's why I make more money than him. And he's saying, we can compare bank statements if you'd like. Yeah, Cornette's just looking for any excuse to get to be relevant that's all it's it is. a so shtick I wanna, and it's it's a lot I, of people's shtick jimmy i want to i want to mention it very quickly for those who don't know and i want to get a, uh, nigel's opinion nigel do you know what a greco-roman knuckle lock is i can't say i do <laughs> <laughs> so a greco-roman knuckle lock is when you do a lock up with a guy with your hands and you do a test of strength mercy okay, basically right. mercy yeah. yeah and there's a guy named joey ryan he was in the glow series uh, on netflix as mr monopoly he does this thing he's an independent wrestler he's not on the main level but he does a thing where his opponent grabs his groin, and then they supposedly do a test of strength. But the guy just grabbed his groin, and then Joey Ryan does like, ah, like a power thing, and then his opponent flips over, right? Ah, and they call okay. it a dick flip. 
And this made the news recently because a promotion called OTT, uh, Over the Top Wrestling in Dublin, Ireland, they brought Mick Foley in. And Mick Foley is a legend in the business. He's a WWE Hall of Famer. Mick Foley did the flip from the from the spot with Joey Ryan in the ring. And I saw that. And, I mean, look, I look at it like this. Yes, pro wrestling is predetermined entertainment. Everybody knows that at this point. There is a place in wrestling for comedy. But at the same time, I think sometimes there's a such thing as insulting people's intelligence a little bit. And me personally, and Sean, you might disagree with me on this. I enjoy pro wrestling when I'm able to suspend my disbelief. That's yeah. why I enjoy it, right? And the reason that I'm a big Brock Lesnar guy is because Brock Lesnar, more so than anybody in wrestling, you can believe that guy, right? Yeah. And when you see him in there grabbing somebody and tossing him over his shoulder, you can look at Brock and know that he's capable of doing that you know, in a legitimate match. And so that's why I enjoy a guy like Brock Lesnar. I think the dick flip, to me, it's almost like it's saying, guess what? It's fake. You know what I mean? Well, you know, that ain't exactly headlining SummerSlam either. No, it won't. It won't. But I don't know. I mean, do you think Joey Ryan has any aspirations to ever make it to WWE? Or do you think that he enjoys the niche that he's carved out for himself? I think at one point he did. Yeah. But now he's a 38-year-old dude. Yeah. So I don't think that that... that and, you know, maybe he could be an NXT trainer at some point. I think he's very realistic with himself. He found something that stuck. He found something that people that got buzz for better or for worse and stuck with it and ran with it. And, hey, he's been in the business for 17 years. Uh, that's just since his debut. So Has he been really that long? Oh, yeah, like 2000. 2000. Shit. Yeah. I didn't realize it's been that long. And so, I mean, is it my thing? No, it's not my thing, but... Like I said, there was a Leo Rush thing that happened this weekend where he got powerbombed by Joey Janela off a ladder through a table, and Leo Rush stood up and looked at him. Like right away? Yes, right away. People were mad. They were upset. And I was like, you know what? It's not my thing. I don't like it. But I don't know the context. I saw a small clip, and even if I saw the context, who's to say it it was necessarily wrong? Yeah. Because – and and I hate to bring this this thing up again. Say there's a table, a ladder, and all that stuff in a UFC cage. Yeah. If the person took that move and stood right up, are you going to say it's not believable? No, it happened. It yeah. happened. People and, said and, and let's be honest. I mean, the table's there to break your fall. Let's be honest. Right. Yeah, and I mean, like it's it's pro wrestling, and you believe what you want to believe, and. Yeah, it's it's just I don't care. Like people can enjoy it if they want to. I yeah. don't, but I'm not gonna make like a ton of a fuss. I had a much bigger problem with Bill Simmons sitting at a desk looking at JBL and saying, "Didn't you put John Cena over one time in the middle of a show?" Than I did with Leo Rush or Joey Ryan. Just because. How did JBL respond to that? I think he kind of just laughed it off, like ha, oh. dumbass, like one of those oh, like okay. type of things. Okay. Because like, I, I saw the time that saw the time that Rosenberg referred to the Undertaker as Taker, mm-hmm. and JBL was like, "Oh, are you his friend now? Are you you're allowed to call him Taker? Are you his buddy now?" Yeah. And I, I thought I saw because I I don't think much of JBL anyway, and I I saw that and just thought you know just so what he called him Taker who gives a shit yeah you know that is it for my list this week, man. That's it. That's it. That's so it. What else, what else you got going on this week, Jimmy? I got a uh, members only podcast on Friday. I heard you got Bixen Span on that. Yeah. What's that about? Well, he jumped at any opportunity to talk about what culture. You know, I do the thing where I explain the the former employer and all that stuff. And also, I'm going to talk to him about the Hogan Gawker thing. He did some incredible coverage of that. 
Yes, I like, saw that. He was on the documentary, documentary right? Documentary, indeed. Right? But yeah. Very cool. Sweet. No, not much else going on, man. I purchased a new house. Did you? I did. So I'm going to be furnishing details. it soon. Uh, I'm not going to give you too many details. It's nice. It's uh, an upgrade for my current house. And that's it. That's all I have to say. Where's it at? As uh, Aaron Hyden, who also worked for What Culture, has choice words for that company. Um, it, <laughs> it did, is... did, did you see the video? Hold on. Did you see the video where they referenced Fightful? It was kind of funny. I've never, I've never really, I've never watched more than one or two fight or uh, What Culture videos. Their whole video thing came in after Bix and I left. Like that. I mean, where they crap. do the top ten and all that shit. Kind of, kind of. But they referenced us, and they're like. Maybe I don't know. It's an anonymous source, so maybe it's not about the Rousey fightful thing. And I'm like, I know you all don't do a lot of news reporting, but that's yeah. kind of how that works on occasion. But you know what I mean? Tell me about I, this house. Uh, you don't need to know much about it. It's you uh... need to know everything about it. Do I have a room? Uh, there are several rooms. So if you visit, I could probably put you up if I felt like it. Yeah, I'm sure that, <laughs> <laughs> that would happen. It's a, it's a nice place. It's an upgrade from what I have now. It's I, it's got privacy, which I wanted. It's got space, which I wanted. And that's all I got to say about it. So One of the things I noticed when I flew into Mississauga was... Mississauga. Mississauga. Oh, boy. Was that like just... There ain't no room to move around there. <laughs> it is. I, I mean, Mississauga, that's a big... What, what's Mississauga? Like a million, right? 800,000. 800,000, yeah. It's, it's huge. It's a big town, too. To put yeah. that in perspective, Lexington, which is, I think, the second biggest city in my state, like 300,000, maybe? Yeah. That's crazy. So yeah. we're going to do, like, an Oasis ad slumber party, right? Like, everybody's going to come. Slumber party. And... <laughs> slumber party. <laughs> Is everybody going to bring, like, sleeping bags and lay on the floor? Then you're going to find all kinds of your stuff missing. You're going to get robbed. Yeah. You walk into your bathroom. There'll be a turd floating in the toilet. Yeah, and then you'll and get back to Kentucky. You'll get back to Kentucky, and you'll be like, look at this beautiful LGN that James gave me from, like, 30 years ago. Look at this. <laughs> look like, at that. You would give me the hillbilly gym, let's be honest. Uh, I would give you an opened hillbilly gym with paint missing. <laughs> That's what well, I would give you. I'll blow your mind here. I had one of those. Of course you did. You probably still sleep with it to this day. He was, he was billed as at being 20 minutes away from where I live. Mudlick, Kentucky. And you told Mudlick, me that that exists. Yeah, there are two Mudlick, Kentuckys, actually. Two Mudlick, Kentuckys. <laughs> two. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's all I got for you this week, man. Guys, uh, visit Fightful.com. I got that members-only podcast coming up. Uh, love seeing the numbers on Holy Smokes going up. Definitely check out the, the flagship Holy Smokes MMA podcast. Also, we did a UFC Mexico uh, show review because it's kind of quiet in the MMA world until, until Mayweather McGregor. But next weekend, we got NXT TakeOver. We have SummerSlam. Uh, depending on my schedule Sunday, I may do a G1 like finals wrap-up or at least review the final match. I think that's when it is. But either way, David Tease has your live coverage and discussion of New Japan G1 as well. So... Got all and, that. And don't forget, go on Fightful.com forums. And the SummerSlam yeah, contest. Win this little beauty right here. What's up with the visual changes? When are those coming? Do we know yet? Uh, might be today because I, I need to look at it on my mobile phone one more time to make sure I like the mobile responsiveness. And then I'll give the green light. So it's almost done. I'm pretty happy with those uh, changes as well. Subscribe, like, thumbs up. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. I love the live chat during these shows. Um, 
Definitely a big fan of these flagship programs, and you all seem to be as well. And so, thank you to Nigel. Thanks to yeah. Nigel. Yeah. Now let us know what you thought of Nigel's performance, and if you want to see more of Nigel's performances, head over to TrigTent.com. There you Cheap go. Plug. There you go. But until then, we're out.